In a moment, I'll have you open your Bibles. We will, we will not be singling in on a, uh, uh, one passage or one portion of, of Scripture tonight. We are going to uh, look through a lot of Scripture tonight uh, because I have to admit, it's probably, you may not, you may not need it as much as I do. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. I am used to having to show my work. I have to show my work. If I'm going to make an argument or make an assertion, I'm, I'm, I feel like I have to show my work. I have to show you how I got there. So we're going to walk through a few whereas, whereas, whereas until we get to the, the, the conclusion tonight. And I promise, well, I can't promise. I I, prom- I can promise that I won't be bored because I rather enjoy this, I, nor can I promise that I won't potentially come mildly unglued. I don't anticipate that. I don't feel, I feel pretty glued right now, but in all honesty, enthusiasm often gets the best of me. So here's what we're going to do tonight. If you want to, um, we have a PowerPoint, so you'll, it'll be a little bit easier to follow along. By the way, thank you, Brother Carson. Look at that hot coffee. So I can slurp it into the sound of the mic just for your, just for your joy level. Here's what we're going to do tonight. I'm gonna t- let me just give you a map, kind of an introduction, an overture as to what's, where we're going. The question tonight is this. What is, you don't have to change the PowerPoint yet. Intern, are you doing PowerPoint? Wow, look at you. Expanding your, whatever that is, Reach. Okay, but leave it right there because it's such a, Aaron did that, uh, that image for us a couple of years ago, and I just like it so much. The bigger it is, the more you, how brilliant it is. It's just really neat. Uh, so uh, the question tonight is, what's the purpose of power? And the longer question is, what is the, what is the reason for signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts? What's the reason for miracles? What's the purpose of power? Same question, but I'm just to shorten the question of what's the purpose of power. To answer that, we need to establish a few things. We need to, we need to look at the, uh, that the message of salvation is accompanied by power. In the scriptures, the message of salvation is accompanied by power. And then we'll quickly, uh, or, and then throughout the rest of the evening, we will define what that what that means, what Scripture means by that power, uh, then we will, uh, we will understand or look at that the community of those who inherit salvation. That's a longer way of saying the church, okay? But, it's, but I want to keep the idea of salvation in mind. So the, the message of salvation is accompanied by power, and then the community of those who are heirs of that salvation, that community, their their culture, their climate, their interaction is also characterized by power. Then we want to define, we want to make sure that we define what salvation or the kingdom really is, what we're talking about. Now, if you've been with us for the past year, you should be going, I think I know, right? And then we're going to put all that together and we will come to the conclusion, and, and that will help us, I believe, here's what I hope to happen tonight. It should help us understand the purpose of power, and it should generate a clear and bold confidence 
in that power becoming a normal experience in our lives. And it should set our, see, I'm already, my voice is getting intense. Uh, It should set our expectometer at a different level, at a very specific place. And it actually should become like a, like a, there it is. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Uh, uh, It's going to, it's going to become a plum, it should be a plumb line for everything. Should be a plumb line for this is what we expect, this is what it should look like, and we should not expect less than this. The purpose of it. Because if we, if we get the purpose wrong, and I, I know I'll get there in my notes, but I'm already too excited and I really want to jump ahead because it's fun. But if we get the purpose or we misplace, not, if we don't, it's not that about getting it wrong, it's about getting it less than all the way right. I know the Lord doesn't. He doesn't wait around for our perfection for, to respond. He never does. He always just moves in response to faith. But if we settle for less than all the way right, what we, we tend to take a lot of left turns and right turns, settle for something less, mislabel, mispurpose, misreason some things, then power becomes a part of, that becomes an expression of a certain kind of church culture. It becomes about personality. It becomes, eventually it becomes an elective and simply a denomination, one of many things to choose from. Oh, that's just the way you like to do church. You like to shake and bake a little bit. But if we, if we, if we, if we can, if we can set it to the right plumb line, then we remove the option. And it becomes an expectation. It becomes normative. It becomes what we expect. Not some, and we also realize it's not something that we force It's something that we surrender to. Having said all of that, let's say it. Are you ready? All right. Now, I'm not not saying that everything is is necessarily brand new, but it feels very exciting. And honestly, had we not spent so much time in the book of Revelation, I can show you where all of this just percolates in in my personal journal. The scribbles, and, and, and I can show you where the scribbles started off neat and got crazier as I got more excited. And it's not like a brand new idea, but you know how things, in, you know, you know, you know, the Nessas know this. The, we don't, not, there's very few things that are new, but, almost, but, but there's a whole lot of things that we can remember better or just see more clearly. And then sometimes, to be honest, at 48, there's a click that maybe didn't quite click just as clean as it did before and then it's very exciting so here's the deal we'll start with the whereas sort of so to speak here we go we believe the ministry of the gospel and the ongoing activity of the church should be accompanied by power By power, what do we mean? Now, there's, I, I've spent, this isn't a, when, I, we do, when we look at Luke Acts, Luke Acts has a very specific definition for power, but we're going we're gonna to open it up a little bit. We're going to look at the, a, more, a broader New Testament lens here, okay? What do we mean by power? What are we talking about? By power, we mean signs, wonders, miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
Hey, Dav, yeah? Where'd you get that list? Did you just make that up? No, I did not. I, the writer of Hebrews gave us that list. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning at verse 3. Again, it's not his point. He, he's, he's the writer of Hebrews is, is talking about the superiority of Christ over, 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 over the angels and over Moses and everything else. And it's the whole point of Hebrews is the superiority of Christ. But as he makes those points, he makes other really cool points. And here's one of those times he makes another really cool point. This is still about the superiority of Christ and the superiority of the covenant that we have. Here's what he says. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Does anybody want to neglect so great a salvation? Nobody does. What's the, what's the subject right now? What's, what's the subject? Not we, not escaping, but come on, friends. Say it to everybody out loud. Salvation. What's the subject? And, and not only salvation, but this, he's talking about this hour, so great. He is very excited. He is overwhelmed. He is excited. He is, he is so great. He cannot put enough, he can't, like noodles against the wall. He can't throw enough noodles. So great a salvation. This is a big deal. Okay? So uh, if, how, will we, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So now he's going to say something to us about this salvation after it, after it was at the first spoken through the Lord. So it is the message or the revelation or the heralding of the salvation. After this salvation was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them. Testifying to what? You already know the answer. I already gave it to you. We said it out loud. Testifying to? Testifying to? Come on. This is really important if we're going to add the little building blocks here. Okay? Testifying to? Very good. So, so at the, those who heard, God also testifying. So all of that, the Lord said it, then others said it, but all, but the Lord spoke it, and then his, those, he said, uh, uh, then it was confirmed to us by those who heard, meaning, so we have Jesus, and then, you know, the, 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 the apostles, and then those that followed them. Eventually, whoever is the audience of the book of Hebrews has heard the message of salvation that started from the mouth of Jesus and was passed on in, in rabbinical style, it was passed on in oral tradition, to those who heard it and then passed on again. But it wasn't just words that were passed on. It wasn't just a message that was delivered. It was God himself was, was testifying that this message was special. That there's, he was testifying to this. He was confirming. Someone say confirming. He was, confer, he was confirming and testifying both by signs and wonders and various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. In other words, all of this was God's idea. God started it. God sent it. He invented it. Signs, wonders, miracles, gifts, God's idea. Not your idea. Not my idea. Not Church of God in Christ, hallelujah, whoo, idea. Not Assembly of God idea. Not Foursquare idea. Not cessationist, not idea. God's idea. We don't, you don't, if you want to vote, you're wrong. I was going to say you don't get a vote, but you can vote, but you'd be wrong. Because God said yes. Whose idea are these things? 
brilliant room. Okay. Jesus, his followers, but God is the one testifying. And what are we, what, to what are they testifying? By, by signs and wonders, signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit. What are they testifying to? Yeah, the message of salvation. And what is then, what is this great salvation? Well, whatever it is, it is to this that God is testifying. It is to this that he is bearing witness and proving to be real. Whatever this is, God is saying, this is it. This is real. And he, is, and he has chosen to confirm or to testify to this salvation through signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Spirit. Now, you might think, hey, wait a minute, how come I read that even in 12, when Paul talks about gifts of the Spirit, he weaves miracles in there. Yeah, because it's all power. It's all something else, but I can't tell you yet. Okay, because I don't want to ruin the thing. Okay. The New Testament consistently, you might already know, but just play along. I think it'll be fun. The, the New Testament consistently portrays and prescribes power as necessarily present with the gospel or the news of salvation and as a part of the life of the church or the heirs of salvation, the message of salvation and the heirs of salvation. This is one of our first assertions, but now we're going to see how Scripture proves it. I've got to show you my homework, okay? Now, if you have read anything, like the book in there, or been, there's a, I could do this all day. We could prove this all day. I'm not going to. Okay, we'll just do two or three things. Actually, just like one per. Okay, number one, in Jesus' ministry, the message of the gospel, the gospel. When we're talking about the gospel, the gospel of, gospel of, which will also be known as, henceforth, the gospel of the kingdom. Let's say kingdom. Kingdom. These are things that are going to be used synonymously. Okay, interchangeably, the gospel of the kingdom or the gospel of this, the message of salvation is the gospel of the kingdom. They are one and the same. Okay, you're going to see that. Here we go. Because Hebrews said already that the message of salvation came first through the words of Jesus. What was the, were the words of Jesus? Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Say it with me. The gospel of the kingdom, which he, the writer of Hebrews calls the message of salvation. All together now, we with me? Okay, same thing here. And so he is going around proclaiming, announcing the good news. Let's just make sure we unpack it, because the gospel of the kingdom has enough religious uh, decor on it. That was a good word. Yeah has enough religious decor on it that we might lose the meaning. So let's just, let's, let's, even though we like the religious decor, it's very nice, it's very pretty, let's take it off and just use some different words. Let's say the, the, new, the good news of God's dominion. The news of his dominion. Ooh, that sounds a little more Mufasa. That's what they heard. That's what we hear. Kingdom means dominion. It's an active, the active rule of God. It's not about... The, the, you know, the, 
whatever that fairy tale thing way up there, okay? Here we go. Okay. The God, Jesus, going through all Galilee. See, I'm taking too much time. I have so many more things to say. I'm sorry. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Verse 24, the news spread about the news about him spread throughout all Syria and they brought to him all who were ill, those suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. What was Jesus preaching and teaching? The gospel of the kingdom, or as Hebrews already told us, the message of salvation. He was preaching the good news about the dominion of God. He was announcing the message of salvation. Salvation is the kingdom of God. Salvation is the coming kingdom of God. He was announcing the promise of the coming perfect reign of God that was demonstrated in the right now power of that reign. The coming perfect reign of God demonstrated in the right now manifest power of that reign. So he was announcing there's a kingdom coming. There's a rule coming. There's a... There's a there's a whole, if you, I could, you can use the word dimension, I think. I think if they would have had that word, they would have used it. Okay? There's a dimension descending, and here's the evidence. That was part of his ministry. Now, you, that, that happened again and again and again and again and again and again in, in chapter 4, in chapter 8, eight, eight in individual stories, in chapter 9, in chapter 10. He sends the disciples to do it, does it in 15 and 19, and over and over and over and over again in Matthew. I can't wait. We're going to spend a long time in the book of Matthew. Get ready. But not tonight. Then in Jesus' commission, so in his, own, in his own ministry, that's what was happening. Then in his commission to his disciples or his apostles, in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, Jesus says to his apostles, ready? And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Announce the dominion of God. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, which Hebrews again says that is the message of just synonymous terms. Announce, declare, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then do what? Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. So in the commission to go and announce the kingdom, to herald the right now, the, we, we, we've already established the already not yet thing that there's a, there's a, the kingdom is at hand, but there's still more to come. The kingdom is here, but there's still more to come. Let's try it again. The kingdom is here, but there's still more to come. In that, in, the, in, in announcing salvation, in announcing 
the dominion of God, that dominion is demonstrated by not what Jesus is doing now, but those who are following him are doing. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Cast out demons. Now, if we know, it's pro- did, did Jesus probably say all those words? I imagine so. But it's also, we have enough wiggle room in there to say maybe he said other things. Very few times are lists given in, to, on, in, as a complete list. Most of the time, lists are given as representative. Most of the time, they represent, like, here's the gist of the list. In other words, could the list have been more? Could have been. The reader's supposed to go, oh, I get the gist. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the leper. Cast out demons. Freely you priest. Freely you So once again, the message is about the kingdom of heaven. And what is to accompany this message is evidence of heaven. Give any clues. Okay? Okay? The message is about the kingdom of the message is about the kingdom of and what is to accompany this message is the evidence of the displacement of things that are not like heaven. Go and announce heaven and then bring it. That's what Jesus said. Go announce it, then do it. Tell them that heaven is coming and then prove them. Show them heaven is coming by showing them heaven. Why? Because there's no sick in heaven. So he said, heal the sick. People die untimely death. Guess what what got thrown into the lake of fire in chapter 20 of Revelation? Death. You know what's not in chapter 21? Death. So he said, raise the dead. Because nobody dead in heaven. Leprosy. Early, earlier in Jesus' ministry, the demoniacs, those under the I've already had in my notes, I'm too excited. Those under the dominion of the devil, those under this under satanic regime, what is Jesus, what is Jesus doing? What's he, who is he? he is delivering them, casting those demons off and away from people. Why that? Why is that? Is he not there? 21, 22, not there. 20, pit. Gone. There's no devil in heaven. Well, just, you got to go, you got to get a sea law here for a minute. Wait a minute. He is literally saying, go announce heaven and then demonstrate what it looks like. There's no disease, there's no death, and no devil. Are you, I'm starting to get. The purpose of power. What power testifies to. In case you're thinking, I don't know if you're right yet. You're already wrong. But just in case you're thinking that. The resurrected Christ. You say, oh, well, that was real good. That had to do with Jesus and his original ministry and the people and following him. And then he resurrected from the dead. And that's all. Well, the resurrected Christ's command to his followers Before he ascended, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you shall be 
my witnesses. So if we've already recognized that in Jesus' ministry and his commission, the announcement of the kingdom is never presented or prescribed in the Gospels without the accompanying evidence of the kingdom, so no one ever talks about heaven without demonstrating it in the Gospels. And then we pick it up in Acts, where Jesus says that his followers, they will be evidence. They will be the witnesses of Jesus. Uh, now, stay with me. Will they be witnesses? Don't answer quickly. Think real slow. Will they be witnesses of Jesus of Nazareth and who he was? Are they to witness that he, not that, yes, yes, that he existed, but we, our witness is not that we are not witnessing, I, I give it away, we are not, they, we are not witnessing to just an historical Jesus, but to a resurrected Jesus. We are not witnesses that someone lived, that would make me a history professor, explaining to you that Napoleon existed. A witness is not to say that, that Jesus existed, I'm a witness to say he's alive. He's alive and he's coming because he reigns in heaven. He has gone to prepare a place. Then he, his life, his existence fills heaven with wonder. They're falling on their faces beside themselves right now because of him. And that's who I'm a witness of. Him. Not just the flannel board guy with the red thing. I'm thankful for him. I'm not diminishing that. But I am not just pointing backwards. This is super important. Power is not a testimony that points to a, a reality that existed in the past. Power is evidence of a reality that is, exists now and a reality that is still yet to come. Oh. They, they, I already said it all, but anyway, okay. They, they, will be, they, they are witnesses of this Jesus, and how will they be witnesses? Because they will receive power. And where, will this, where does this power come from? The Holy Spirit. All this power is a direct expression of the, of the Holy Spirit and only from the Holy Spirit. He is the one singularly working all these things. Not only that, that truth is confirmed by, that, by this next passage, but this next passage also shows us that this, that this principle of power confer, in, in testifying to the message of salvation continues beyond even those in the upper room. Paul now says that, his, that, that he fully preached the gospel. And here's how he talks about fully preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom or the message of salvation. You've got to stay with me. The good news of the kingdom or the message of salvation. Paul says, here's, here's, how, how, here's his summary, Romans 15, verses 18 and 19. And not only that, but he's going to help us understand where all the, he's going to remind his audience where all this power comes from. Okay? I will, he, Paul, uh, verse 18, I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. And he's done this, verse, nine, verse 19, this is the means that this was accomplished. In 
the power of signs and wonders, comma, in the power of the Spirit. He's telling us where this came from. The power of signs and wonders, the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and around about as far as Elycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I have fully declared, I have rightly and completely announced the message of salvation about the fact that I have, I have completely preached the good news of the kingdom of heaven by demonstrating heaven. He preached the gospel of Christ. What was, fundament, what was fundamental to that? Pow, the power of signs and wonders in the power of the Spirit. So he's fully preached the gospel of Christ. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4, these are not unfamiliar passages to most of us. He, Paul says, and my, to them, when he, when he was talking about speaking in Corinth, he says, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. It wasn't, remember, that this, is not a, this is not just a story. It's not just a message. It's not just a, a statement. It's, he says, they, my, my message was not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Why was it necessary for their faith to rest in the power of God? Did they, would anybody think that if there is, that if there, does it make sense to think that if there is a God, he would be powerful? That doesn't create, that doesn't require a lot of faith, does it? So it's not just simple as, his, he wasn't just saying, I came so you would know that God's powerful. No, they would be like, duh. If there is God, he should be. Otherwise, he's not God. So what's he saying? So that your faith would be in the power of God. What's he talking about? Yes, comma, but, wait. Not in any, not just that God is powerful, but in the specifics. That your faith would rest in the demonstration of the reality of heaven. He came demonstrating something specific, not just that God had tremendous cosmic power, but that God's power, the power, he, his message was about salvation, was about the kingdom of God, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the reign of Jesus Christ, the return of Jesus Christ, and that, and the for, and that we will forever reign with him. And in demonstration of this message of salvation is the demonstration of heaven itself. My preaching was not just to tell you something, but to show you in evidence what, that you can believe that what you're seeing right here is the down payment, the first fruits, the initial startup, the Kickstarter campaign of what's to come. That's just, you say, well, okay. So in the message, in the preaching, that's normal. Okay, but also in the uh, in, in, in the life of those who inherit salvation, the heirs of salvation, that power continues to be part of their normal experience. Some folks, I gotta, I'm pushing on that just a little bit more. Let me push on that. Because some folks think, I, I get it. Because you know, maybe, maybe you're like me, you've heard, oh, miracles are for the, what do they call it, uh, marketplace. Miracles are for the marketplace. Oh, come on. Stop saying dumb things. Yeah, they're for the marketplace, and they're from 
and they're for the, the, the coffee place, and, and, and they're for the church place, and they're for your place, and they're for my place. They're for every place, because there's no place that Jesus hasn't paid for. And there's no place that, that, that where, you know where they are? They're mirac- the place for miracles is anywhere that we announce the message of salvation. And any, it's anywhere that those who inherit salvation are. So here's how Paul, now it's not his point, but he's describing and he's encouraging them, but he's, he's, just, he's talking about the community of faith, the, the gathered believers. Now listen to what he's, he's going to talk about. This is the, those, the heirs of salvation. That's you and me. This is how he talks about our gathering, what, what it's like when the heirs of salvation are together. You ready? <clears throat> now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Oh, who's behind all this? Same Holy Ghost. Okay, there are varieties of gifts, varieties of things, varieties of, of free dis- things. There are these gracious uh, charisms that are given out, but it's all from the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. The manifestation of of the Spirit. (laughs) So you're not, spiritual gifts, as we call them, are not just things that we are giving out and enjoying. Uh, That's fine. That's that's kind of a level right here. Oh, these are neat. Yep, they are neat. And we can enjoy them. Yep, we sure do. But what they are, they are manifestations not of the gift itself. They are manifestations of the Spirit Himself. And I'll just cut to the chase here. We'll say it in a minute. The Spirit Himself is the evidence of heaven. He is the substance, the evidence, the bringer of heaven. And so these gifts, these manifestations are manifestations of the spirit. So you let me just word it this way. I'll step out on a little bit thinner ice here and just say it this way. These are manifestations of heaven. To each one. Is given, and I know you hear me right, I'm not trying to depersonalize things, I'm just trying to try to phrase it and so that you trying to deprogram some churchiology that just makes things that you know like that you like this is stuff that you get through taking a, a spiritual gift test. Please take every spiritual gift test you have and throw it down the toilet. Open lid insert gift gift test. <laughs> Open lid insert. This isn't the result of a quiz. This isn't the result of a, of a, of a, this isn't, you can't, this isn't things that you learn. These are manifestations of another reality That's, that is breaking in here now. What did we say a hundred times in the book of Revelation? Eternity is real and is trying to get your attention. It happens in measured judgment and it happens in manifestation of the Spirit. Heaven is real. And it's trying to get your attention. And it's trying to be present. This world belongs to heaven. Heaven has always had a, a mission for the planet. Always. From Genesis 1, that was heaven's mission on this planet. It got started off okay. 
Then there was a disruption. God has a plan to fix it. And one day, heaven's coming back. (laughs) But that's the good news. The king is coming. And heaven with him. But right now, we have this right now message that the kingdom of God is at hand in a measured way right now. So I, have, I'm, I, I know it's late. Everybody's tired and wants to go home. Too much turkey. Here we go. <laughs> Maybe too much of this turkey. To, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit. If you understand that I'm not trying to depersonalize or anything else, but if I'm going to just use if the, the Holy Spirit as, as the agent, the ambassador, the carrier, the substance of heaven itself, if I'll just, if you can hear it this way, to each one is given the manifestation of heaven for the common good. Then what that does is that helps us understand why this is happening. Why is this happening? Why, are, why is the Holy Spirit doing all of this? He is demonstrating your destiny. He is proving your, your, the promise of salvation. Every time a gift of the Spirit erupts, which is a good word for manifestation, eruption. My friend Doug Ost tried to argue for the word eruption instead of manifestation in the New Living. Okay? Uh, uh, he, was one, he worked on 1 Corinthians. Every time there is an eruption of the Spirit, it is a sign. Yeah, it's, it, it, very helpful, very encouraging for the common good. Amen. That's what it's for. But it's a sign. It, doesn't, it points to something. It points you and I to remember that heaven, heaven is calling. Heaven is real. Okay, I'm, I got to quit. Here, here, here. For, the, for to one is given the word of wisdom, to another through the spirit, and to another the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another, the, to, to another faith by the same, and to another the gifts of healing by one. Are we getting the idea here? Where does power, where do ministries, where do signs and wonders come from? All from the Spirit, okay? To another, uh, the, the affecting of miracles, to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All, verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things. These are all expressions of the Spirit Himself. One more time, then one more quick thing. Uh, we're talking about the, 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 the normal nature of the community of the gathered. Now, here's Paul irritated with the Galatian church. So just get, deal with the first part and don't get offended. You foolish Galatians. How'd you like your pastor to say that? I'm not Paul. You, nobody is. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? So he reminds them of their initial encounter, the initial message of salvation. He actually redefines as receiving the Spirit. That encounter, that power encounter, the announcement of the kingdom, all those things you read about, he says, receive the Spirit. All of those things are expressions of the Spirit. Did you do that because you earned it or because you, you believed it, he says. All right? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Meaning this, what, what the Holy Spirit begins, he sustains. And he only sustains what he starts. 
But what he starts, he will sustain. What he starts, only he can sustain. So therefore, if we have begun by the Spirit as a community, we cannot say, ah, then miracles, signs, wonders, and gifts are only for the way to get in. They are also the way we go on. They are also part of our normal growth, our, our flourishing. Our growth as believers should be accompanied by the working of the Spirit. Did you suffer so much of things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, so then does he who provides, that's present active, does he who continuously provides you with the Spirit and works present active, continually works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of law or the hearing of faith? Meaning that for the Galatian church, that power was, the power was a part of their inaugural experience and power was a part of their ongoing life as part of being the heirs of salvation. See, we're still proving that first point. But fortunately, I've given you enough of a heads up so you know where we're going. So the ministry of the gospel is accompanied by power. That power is from the Holy Spirit, and that power testifies to Christ, to his salvation, and to his kingdom. Why? Because, or why should we ask this question? Why is power so much a part of the message of salvation and the presence of the kingdom? What is the purpose? Is the purpose of power, what are, now we want to be careful here because I don't want us to do anybody to get away with some sort of an either or fallacy. I don't want anyone to say, well, it's not this, it's this. Because most of the time it's not either or, it's both and. There's a, there's a lot of layers to stuff, Okay. So we're not trying to just dismiss anything outright. But when we want to set the plumb line, we want to make sure we set, it, we set it as straight as we can, as high as we can. So why power? Is it about compassion? Absolutely. You, bet, you better believe it. Gospel's full of stories. Jesus moved with compassion. Whether anybody saw it or not, he expresses compassion. The expression, the ministry of heaven is absolutely an expression. It's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a, it flows from the very deepest heart of God. But why? Yes, compassion, absolutely. In fact, if that's, you want to settle on compassion, I say go for it. But there, understand that there's a why behind that. Is it because it's very, very practical? Because, it's, because, uh, these, because signs and wonders and gifts and miracles, those are edifying and they're encouraging? Is, the, is that why they're here? Yes, absolutely. But is that all? No. Are they metaphors? No. No, they are not. In other words, every time, and we've done it, I've done it, everybody's lot done it. They open, up a, they open up a book of the Bible, they open up a gospel story, they read a miracle, and they read an actual miracle, and then, then they immediately metaphorize it into a leadership principle a relationship idea or some sort of a, you know, something. All the time, all the time. All the time. That's the, he did this for this guy, and that's like you. You can do better at work. What? Well, 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 that's not false. Nobody in the Gospels, when he opened the eyes of the blind guy, he didn't say, you know, this reminds me of how God uh, throws light on us sinners. <laughs> no, the, the blind guy said, I can see. It was, it was compassionate, and it was practical, all of those things. But there's also more, 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 because there's a why. There's a lot of compassionate, nice things Jesus could have done. But why this? Was it evidence? Yes. The evidence, has, the evidence is compassionate and practical, but it's evidence. Power is evidence. Is it evidence of a person? Lowercase p. 
In other words, is it evidence of me? Is it evidence that, hear me right, and I'm going to make my own self nauseated, but just let me just say it for effect. Is it evidence that I am the super anointed Apostle Dad? No. No, it is not. Have, and that's a big deal because many people will say, look, these miracles and signs and or wonders are happening in my ministry. Therefore, I must be right. Nope. God doesn't even care. He doesn't really much care how right you are. He only honors your faith, and primarily he honors the name of Jesus. So are they evidence of a person? Yes, capital P, Jesus. Every single expression, every single miracle, every single gift is a testimony to the, the capital B person, Jesus, the king of glory in heaven who's coming. <laughs> is, now here's, just listen to this a little bit more carefully. Hold your Bible close. Everybody, how many people know that I'm a big fan of the Bible? Anybody know? Okay. Hold it close as I say this next thing because this is important. Is power evidence of the Bible? Don't answer yet. Either you might get upset. Yes and no. Yes and no. Power is not a signatory of canonicity. Power did not come to prove certain books belonged in the canon of Scripture. Because power happened before the Scripture. Scripture is the writing down of the power. So power, if, if the power didn't come to prove the Scripture, although power does give validation. And most, in fact, most of the things that we recognize as historical miracles are actually in the Scripture. So we would be, horribly, we would be guilty of horrible circular reasoning if we said, well, yes, power proves the Scriptures, but the Scriptures tell all the power. What? No, no, no. No, no. Power is not, a, is not primarily, primarily a signatory of canonicity. We believe in the canon of Scripture because of the custodian of the, the Holy Spirit as custodian through the people of faith in a mysterious way has the people of God have come to believe and agree upon. And we, this, is a, this is a result of faith under the influence of the Holy Spirit has given us the Bible. The Bible is the result of faith. Now, it's a wonderful miracle book. You can dice this. You can slice this thing every which way from which way. And it is a miracle in and of itself as, as the Bible. But power is not present for us to say, oh, yes, that means the canon is the canon. Power preceded Scripture. So miracles validate, but they are not primarily directed to that purpose. The purpose of this power, power testifies to what the Bible testifies to. The Bible says Jesus is Lord. The Bible says there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. The Bible says there's a kingdom and there's a salvation. And power also testifies to that reality. The purpose of power lies in what it ultimately achieves. Miracles, signs, wonders, and various gifts of the Spirit are the inbreaking of the age to come. That is why we can relax. If we believe, see, here's the problem. Here's the big problem. If we believe that power is primarily to authenticate canonicity, then we either, A, believe in a, in a finished canon and therefore no more miracles, or we believe in more miracles and there could be more Bible written. 
Well, we believe in a finished canon. This, we believe this is it. He ain't writing nothing new. Because the canon is complete around the testimony of Jesus Christ. So again, we are, either we believe that power is supposed to be just for this, and therefore, if there's no more of this, then there's no more power. Or we believe there's more of this. And neither of those things are true. We have to understand that the, the, that the Scripture never makes that claim about power. The, the, says, the Scripture makes the claim that power is a part of the proclamation of the gospel of salvation and a part of the, the lives of the heirs of salvation. That's what the Bible says. So power, miracle signs and wonders and various gifts of the Spirit are the inbreaking. They are the visitation, the evidence of the age to come. Someone say the age to come. They are the tangible experiential pledge of the promise of the age to come. They are the evidence and the reality of the hope of heaven. Heaven is where these things come from. Can I make it any more clear than that? Miracles, signs, and wonders, gifts of the Spirit. Where do they come from? Heaven. They come from heaven. How do they get here? Holy Ghost. Look at Now, open your Bibles. Go all the way real quick. We, we've already done this. We don't need to, we've done this for a month. So we certainly don't need to spend all the time here tonight. But open your Bibles again to look at just Revelation 21 and 22, which is after the great right throne of judgment, after all of redemptive history has passed, Poof. We have Revelation 21 and 22 to do, right? After all of redemptive history is over, 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 over. Everybody's been thrown to the lake of fire. Devil gone, death gone. Everything's done. And finally, we have eternity. Finally, now we have heaven. This is the start of heaven. You with me? Okay, right? Nodding your head? Redemptive history is over, 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 over. And now finally, 21. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Ah, here we go. Exciting. What's it like? I wonder what it's like. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. No more turmoil, no more darkness, no more fear. We talked about that. I don't have time. And I saw the holy city of the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven from God as a bride ready, and I heard a loud voice. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. He's with us. The tabernacle of God is among men. The presence of God is tabernacling with us. God present with us. That sounds like the manifestation of the Spirit. Oh, that's so much. Look. What I'm saying is everything you read here is what the Holy Spirit is doing now. Oh, there, I said it. That's it. One sentence. Everything you read here, Holy Ghost doing that now. Purpose of power, this. Oh, here we go. God himself will be among them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain for all those things have passed away. Jump. Shoom. Fast forward to chapter 22 now. And he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb in the middle of the street. On either side of the river was a tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding the fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. Wow. And the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him and they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night and they will not have need of any light or a lamp or the sun because the Lord God will illuminate them and they will reign forever and ever. Revelation 21 and 22 talks about the characteristics, the nature of heaven. This is eternity. This is heaven. This is the promise. This 
is our salvation. So when we hear the message of salvation, what's the, the, what, what is the message of salvation? Revelation 21 and 22. That's the message. God fully with us. No separation, no night, no dark, no crying, no pain, no death. Water flowing, Holy Ghost there. Light from God, glorious, wonderful. Healing for the nations. No immorality, no idolatry, no fornication, no unholiness, no impurity, no devil, no death, no demons. Heaven. He said, oh, that's wonderful. I can't wait. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What? How is that possible? Holy Ghost! So the full, unhindered expression of the dominion of God is shown to us. Heaven heaven is ethical, it's whole, it is virtuous, it is God-focused and God-saturated. If those are the characteristics of our inheritance, of our salvation, if those are the characteristics of His kingdom, then... Power functions as evidence of there, here. Power functions as evidence of then, now. What's the purpose of power? To demonstrate heaven. To experience at least a portion of heaven now. Because we are a people stamped with the future. We exist to, to, to experience and reflect the hope of heaven for the world around us. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes all this possible. He is this, the, the, all the promise of what God is doing is, is, is comes to us. Jesus paid for it. The Holy Spirit applies for it. Jesus accomplishes all of this. He is the first fruits of a new creation. He died. He raised us to life. He's the, he, heaven literally invaded earth in the person of Jesus, and he's clothed with the Spirit. He's clothed with the very substance of heaven, and it goes around demonstrating the kingdom of heaven wherever he goes and then he lays down his life and he is raised and he is the first fruits of something that is to come. His resurrection is the sign. You say, what's the sign of canonicity? What's the proof of all of that? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's how, that's how we know this whole thing is real, the resurrection of Jesus. So he rises from the dead as the first fruits, as the proof. His resurrection is the final proof of heaven. We should see it and say, wow, there's a resurrection. There's a new creation coming. The Holy Spirit is the promise. He's literally called, Jesus calls him in Acts 1-4, the promise of the Father. In Acts chapter 2, or verses 38 and 39, as Peter is preaching, he says, he talks about the gift of the Spirit is, the, is a promise for everyone. And Paul, most specifically, in, after reflection, Paul says, in him, in verse Ephesians 1, in him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. Meaning, when we believe, the Holy Spirit comes as a down payment of what is to come. And, and in that experience, there is a view. Everybody say a view. There's a view to what is to come, a view to a full redemption. That's who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. The Holy Spirit himself is the evidence of the inbreaking of eternity. 
He is the evidence himself of heaven breaking into and upon our lives. Think about it. Look at Jesus immersed into the Jordan. And and he comes up out of the Jordan. And what happens? Heaven is opened and the Holy Spirit from heaven descends upon him. We see heaven invading earth. Then the apostles are gathered in the upper room. We don't know if there's 120 or 200 or 400 or 500. Everybody up there praying and waiting on God. And then there's a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And there's the appearance of fire that that divides and lands upon them. And they're all filled. Let me just say it this way. All filled with heaven itself. Because heaven, the Holy Spirit, that's him. All filled with the Holy Spirit. And the presence of heaven fills the room. And then there's an expression that comes up out of them. There's a new language. And the people that were divided in Genesis 11 by foreign languages are now united in a language of glory symbolizing that there is a world yet to come there's a glory beyond this one therefore we should understand and embrace that power the presence and working of the Holy Spirit is the influence of heaven the inbreaking of the future it is the testimony the pledge and the sign of the promise to come and again if that is true If that's true, as we said at the start, then power cannot be an elective. It cannot be optional. It cannot be cultural. It cannot be a matter of style or preference. If we relegate miracles to the realm of just special effects, just something that happens fun in church, then they just become a matter of preference. And they don't point us to heaven. But if they're a part of the evidence of the down payment of the age to come, then we should submit and to and yield to the Holy Spirit now. And if if the Holy Spirit is the agent, the substance, the bringer of this down payment of heaven in himself, then 1 Corinthians 14 makes even more sense. Therefore, pursue love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, the pneumatica things of and pertaining to the Spirit Himself. Eagerly desire them, especially that you prophesy. It finally makes sense to me. I, have, I mean, I've, I've made good arguments why prophecy is because it's helpful. It's always the right thing. It's always helpful. But here's the deal. Prophecy speaks to us from the perspective of heaven. Every time we prophesy, we are testifying to Jesus. Remember the, remember the angel said, no, no, no. The spirit, the, the, spirit of, the, 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 the spirit of prophecy, that's the testimony of Jesus. Every time you prophesy, you're testifying to Jesus. Not that he was, but that he is and that he is to come. That he's king. So when I, whenever, every, every time we prophesy, we are, we, are, we are speaking from the perspective and the hope of the age to come. We are, every time we prophesy, we are talking like people who are stamped with eternity. So Paul says, do that. Stir that up. Stir up the the, the consciousness of eternity, of God himself in your midst. And I'll even say this. I I, I don't have time to argue this tonight, but it's just just true. Tongues are a part of prophetic expression. You say, Dad, how do you, Paul says tongues and then prophecy. Well, he's talking about speaking in a known and unknown language. But Peter, in Acts chapter 2, referencing the expressions of tongues, he actually says, this is that the prophet said that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and they shall prophesy so it's it is, it is spirit inspired speech the holy spirit coming upon people enabling them and inspiring them to speak 
by the Spirit, which is why, why, why we say, we quote Paul in worship, hey, sing in the Spirit, sing with the understanding, in the Spirit. As the Spirit gives you utterance and you just choose to cooperate with his flow, you just minister that. Tongues are part of this prophetic expression. They are a sign. They testif- tongues actually testify to Jesus, to his Lordship, that he has ascended. Because Peter said, therefore, because of what you are seeing and hearing, therefore, let all Israel know that God has made this Jesus Lord and Christ. He has ascended the right hand of the Father, and he has poured, he has poured out this, which you now see and hear. Even tongues, as mysterious as they are, I believe they express a glorious heavenly language. And I believe they're for everyone because heaven is for every tribe and every tongue. And I believe, this is just me now, I'm going to lean into this. I believe that praying in tongues, it somehow, can I say this word? It pulls on the powers of the age to come. I reach in and, and I just import the age to come into my own situation. I, I pray in tongues and I'm importing. I'm tapping into the age to come, into a glorious place. And I'm just importing that. And that's why it edifies. And that's why there's intercession. And that's why there's worship. That's why tongues is intercession and edification and worship because it's the language of and in heaven. I also believe that, the, it, that tongues are, help us to participate in heavenly worship. I think a lot of things. But now, what about spirit baptism? If, if, remember, I'm, I, now I'm using this plumb line. If, if heaven is my plumb line, I'm, I'm putting it over the, or the template, and I'm putting it over things. Now, prophecy makes sense. Tongues make sense. What about spirit baptism? Well, duh. Spirit baptism, that is being filled with the spirit, again and again and again, is an absolute requirement to revival because that is the influence of heaven. That's heaven come down. (sighs) Heaven come down, heaven rise up, heaven prevailing. Heaven prevailing. What about gatherings, even like tonight or, or other times, out, gatherings where we celebrate the outpouring, out, the outpouring services or spirit-saturated experiences? Those things wash us over and over again in the influence and atmosphere of heaven so that heaven will reign, so that heaven will have influence, so that heaven will have evidence on earth. That means that power, miracles, signs and wonders, the person, the presence of the Holy Spirit, is he's always, it's always relevant, it's always available, and always practical. But if it's about heaven, see, this is why. We have people from every demographic here. But this is why. If we relegate spiritual gifts to just something practical, then honestly, lean into this and don't get offended because I want to offend people who think like this. So just stay with me. The, the, then that comes with the idea that, let's say Meg is 97 and a half years old, and she broke her knee. You know what they say in our world? They say, ah, she's 97 and a half. She'll be all right. We had a former president that just said, give her a pill. But in heaven, it don't matter. Heaven's just as happy to give her a brand new knee today. 
See, heaven, doesn't, heaven isn't limited by, by our fear of lack or our lack of resources or our definitions of time. Heaven is about manifesting itself, himself, God himself. So there is no age limit to miracles. There is no, there is no limitation. You don't have to have 100 people or 1,000 people. All you need is a little bit of heaven. See, heaven wants to break in everywhere all the time to anybody all the time. Around the dinner table, around the coffee table, around the Lord's table, around this place. Heaven is always ready. It's always ready. It's eternal. It'll never stop. It'll just keep coming. So there's no reason. There's never a reason for us to lower our expectometer. If we're talking about heaven, then every time we gather, we better be like, oh, here goes heaven. And if it's heaven, that means that there's no limit. Now, I know we live between the ages. I know that. We've talked about that. But having established that, let's see how close we can get. In fact, our commission, our assignment is not to stop. As in heaven, so on earth. That's the assignment. We should understand that we are yielding ourselves to the influence of heaven because that is our identity and our destiny. We are stamped with the future. single sentence we are people of the spirit because of heaven heaven is the goal it is the measure and it is the reason for the spirit's power and influence in our life so we pray your kingdom come your will be done As in heaven, so on earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fall on us, fill us. It's not about electives or preferences or denominations or doctrinal nuances. God wants to manifest His very self. God wants to demonstrate the reality of heaven in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit because that is the evidence of our hope, our identity, our destiny. surrender. Just yield to it now. Just surrender. Heaven's bigger than you. Bigger than you. There's nothing that you can earn. No rub, no lamp you can rub. You can give up. Come on. Surrender. Let him flow through you. Let heaven fill your heart and your thoughts. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish. His virtue, ethics, righteousness, purity, joy, worship, wholeness, freedom. The Holy Spirit wants to evince heaven 
in our midst. heaven come. Let heaven come. Let your kingdom come. Your will, your preference. Let things be in us and on us the way you want. Your will, your preference, your dominion, your authority. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Anything contrary to his name, bow down. Go. No, no resistance. Let heaven come. Jesus is Lord. Ha! That's why no one speaking by the Spirit can say Jesus is cursed, but only by the Spirit say Jesus is Lord. Because that's how it is in heaven. Ha! Come on, let him flow out. Come, Holy Spirit. Fall, 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 and fill. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Church, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. Let God right now choose, choose, yield. Be filled with the Spirit. The power and influence of the Holy Spirit wash over you and again and again. 